Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. What your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or we will do that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, so it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. So just four short verses right there. And my heading, I would like, I've actually been really fascinated by hearing the different summary headings in each of everyone's Bibles. Mine says, our will and God's will. What do other headings uh, say? Mine says, warning about self-confidence. Warning about self-confidence, okay. Does yours so, say something so, else? So mine does not have a separate section heading. Okay. Uh, the previous section heading, it, it's, it's one for the entire chapter, and that's things to avoid. Just things in general to avoid, okay. Anybody else have a different one? I go boasting about tomorrow. Boasting about tomorrow, okay. Anybody online have anything different? Does it say that, boasting about tomorrow? Okay, yeah. all right. Okay. So, so again, right? So this, uh, what we're seeing here um, is each of us kind of read out of different translations, um, which is uh, both a blessing and a curse on Christianity, I think. Um, you know, you have different scholars who come from different backgrounds, who have um, different understandings of linguistics, and then kind of put together um, the translation, and then sort of their essence of what they think that passage says is how you end up with a particular translation. And so um, mostly it's unified, but there are some spaces. And so you're seeing those little descriptions, uh, differences there. So let's dive right in here. So he starts off in verse 13 by saying, Come now, you who say today or tomorrow that we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business to make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will be like, what your life will be. So what's he saying there? Like, what is it? What's the picture that he's painting? I mean, is this... This actually sounds like something we do all the time. I mean, do you think he's addressing, like, I'm going to go to work tomorrow? Like, if I just say, yeah, tomorrow's work. Is that what he's saying? What do you guys think? Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will travel to such a place. Do this, do that. Just those who have firm, set plans for their future. I don't think, like, tomorrow, like, i got to go to work. It's like you have your basic routine that you you have and that would be established already but I think if it's like you know next year I'm going to go on a big cruise I know I'm going to do that I'm saving my money I'm going to hit it up I'm going to do it you know but and and having that uh, this uses the term arrogance but Mm -hmm. having that arrogance or whatever to know it's like this is what's going to happen without to think that it could possibly change or God may actually call you to take that money and give it to somebody as opposed to you doing it for yourself okay yeah Anybody else have any other thoughts on it, on that verse right off the bat? I think the Sarah's heading, like, warning about self-confidence is interesting in thinking about this verse, right? And, like, having that kind of, like, yeah, like, either arrogance or self-confidence or belief that, like, we have the ability to order our lives and, like, be like, yes, this is my plan. It's definitely going to happen. Right. Um. And I don't think it's bad to make plans, hopefully not because I'm a huge plan maker, but <laughs> like, um, I think having that kind of plan and being like, yeah, it's absolutely going to happen, like yeah. n- nothing else is going to change this. And then maybe it doesn't sound like this 
individual who James is speaking to here uh, necessarily put God into account, like mm-hmm. prayed about it beforehand or anything like that. It seemed like just kind of worldly, like, yep, that's what I want to do. That's what we're going to do. Let's go. It seems like this is a recurring theme in James. You know, I mean, obviously James is talking about very specific practical elements, but we keep coming back, you know, as in our discussions to like the allegiances, the loyalties, the idea of like what is behind all the things that we do. So like, I don't think that he's saying, and this is up for our discussion, but I don't think so much he's saying like, yeah, I think I'm going to go on vacation next year. Like, so let me like put money down and do that. Like, like, I don't think that's the problem. It's the, it's the, you don't, he says, you don't know what your life will be like. You're a vapor. It appears for a little while and then it vanishes. And then he says, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. So it's like, it's so, I mean, insert anything, like Chris, like you said, a vacation, right? So like, he's not saying that the vacation's the problem. He's saying, I'm doing it without any kind of consideration that God might have something else. There might be another plan. There might be another design or, or desire from God's heart for, for us. Or perhaps that by the time that vacation were to come around, life circumstances would be different and it would be infeasible. Yes? Uh, you know, there's this one word that just kind of jumps at me when the verse 16 says about arrogance and then you're followed by boasting. Hmm. So, like we're talking about, what's wrong? Like, I'm listening to what we're talking about. Like, what's wrong with that? Like, I'm making fun as well. Like, you know, everything. Yeah, right. And, and I said, this is about arrogance. Mm. The boasting. So it's not that they will go here and there, that what they will do tomorrow, and that's what kind of fun is, but as they want to spend their time, want to trade, make profit, it almost feels to me, and I don't know if anybody feels the same way about this text, I almost feel like, okay, Lord, I got it from now, I don't need you anymore, Right. I'm on my own now, because we good. And, you know, it's going to be like a broken dead course, but reading this piece from the beginning, talking about the, the faithful obedience, right? So just saying, hey, I got this. I don't need you in this. You're saying, well, so what happened about obeying what I'm telling you? Mm. And if you just go to the first 12 verses that we talked about last week, um, it's really more about stay put, right? Stay in God not try to go your own way because yeah. eventually you're choosing between God or the world. If you say, hey, I'm going to go there and make a profit and sit in the city, you're really lining up there with uh, the world and that means you're automatically adding to the Lord. So I think it kind of continues with the same thought. Right. Does anybody see the same way? or? Well, so like, let's stick with that arrogance thing. Like, what, what is, what's arrogance about the line in the beginning? So he's saying, some guy just says, Today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to Minneapolis. I don't know why I just thought of that, just because of my brain, right? So we were talking about Minneapolis. <laughs> so, like, we'll just take that. It has nothing to do with Joe. Actually, well, I mean, it's... Perhaps applicable? Yeah. Okay. So, so, like, you know, today or tomorrow, I'm going to travel to Minneapolis, get a new job, make some money, right? Like, what's arrogant about that? I mean, do you have any immediate thoughts? Again, this is not about Joe, but Joe and I were having a conversation, <laughs> and perhaps the Lord's using it specifically. I don't know. Anyway, Joe, do you have any initial thoughts what about... What do you think about your arrogance? <laughs> well, from Tad's perspective, he's saying it seems to be about arrogance. So he's calling this first phrase, like he's speaking out of a place of arrogance. What's arrogant about what he's saying? What do you what do you think about it? Your first thought, so, Joe? So, so the first thought is not Minneapolis. The first thought is actually um, Jerusalem. Okay. And I, and I'm thinking about you know the context 
for, for which this letter was given and thinking like, hey, how many of you might be saying, I'm going to go spend a year in Jerusalem, make some money, but don't you know that, that Rome is going to come and destroy the entire city in like, you know, while you're there? Okay, and, and which they, of course, would have no way of knowing that that was the case. It, but Jesus had warned about it, said, sure. hey, watch out, this, the, this is coming. Yeah, but with the, um, yeah, I don't think I have anything really profound to say other than just the, the acknowledgement that, yeah, we don't see the whole picture, and, okay. and, yeah, we might be going down one path, and then just things happen. You brought up the, hey, I'm going to plan a cruise ship vacation, you know, and then COVID. Yeah, how many cruises have been canceled, right. right? So, like, that's exactly the same thing. All those people planned it. Again, are we saying that the plan was bad? You know, where is the arrogance? Did you want to say something? Yeah, so sometimes when I'm reading scripture and it can be a little confusing, like the wording, you know, so I also like to go to the message, which kind of puts it, it's kind of like dummy for the Bible for dummies, mm -hmm. the message can be sometimes. And I, this part that's in here where it translates and it says, you know, that whole part about you could go here or there or do this or that. But it, then it says, you don't know the first thing about tomorrow, so stop planning your tomorrows because you're nothing but a wisp of fog catching a brief bite of sun before disappearing. So I think when, you, when you're trying to plan out your entire future based off of what you want, mm -hmm. and it's kind of like you can't do that because you don't know what tomorrow is. You're not promised tomorrow. So when you're trying to plan everything and have this perfect tomorrow, You've lost sight of your today and your moment right now. What does it say? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say something that really that stuck out to me is is the perspective of time. Like it's making mention of how short our time on Earth is. Like, like my version says, um, "What is your life for you? Are, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes." Mm -hmm. And it's talking about the perspective of how brief time is. So it's almost like prioritizing, and it's like you can. You know, you think that going on this cruise or getting a job in Minneapolis or whatever it is is such a huge monumental thing. But when you're looking at it from the grand, sco the grand scope of short, tiny vapor life, you know, you're going to be much, more, much better about prioritizing the things that are important. I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to worry about this right now. So to me, it talks more about like arrogance and almost ignorance of like you have no idea what you're talking about because of how short life is. Like the perspective of time from his per from his view mm -hmm. is massive and huge, and we can't fathom it. And all we can fathom is a teeny tiny life of maybe a hundred years if we're lucky, and yet we think that that's like the longest amount of time. That's like eternity. So the word. Oh yeah. the like kind of the segue into this um I, and obviously it's different from translation to translation but for me it's like come now you who say and then it says and then at the beginning of um chapter five it's come now you rich and i uh, and i suspect what's happening in both of these instances is okay is the is the problem every single rich person you know being corrupt and, and, and whatever no not necessarily is the problem every kind of instance that this is said it's a problem no not necessarily but i think both of them are probably hearkening to like they're referring to a sort of person right uh, that's like you're, you're supposed to get an idea of kind of the sort of person that would do this sort of thing and it's more talking about that person than like the specific action that's being referenced 
I think that's a really great point, which reminds us of like, uh, like Joe was kind of saying, who is the letter being written to? Like all of the letters, the epistles, right? So when Paul was writing Corinthians, um, he was dealing with, you know, sexual misconduct. He was dealing with abuses of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Um, when he's uh, writing, uh, when the book of Hebrews was being written, it was being written so that the Jewish people would understand the lineage of Jesus and, and how he is the, the once and for all sacrifice. Like these, le- these are letters, first of all. That's, there were letters written to the church. And like in various cities, Galatians was written to, to, uh, to the house churches in Galatia, which is in northern Turkey, okay? So like in the, in the Turkey area. So like whatever was going on in that context, he's writing a letter to them and saying like the things that he's heard or that are becoming a problem. So to your point, Josh, whoever is in this, this area that, that James is writing to, there must be someone of influence or a certain a sect or a group of the people who were starting to think like this enough to where he felt it was important enough to write a letter about it to address the problem. It's kind of like, like when parents with their kids, it's like you get one homework problem done and it doesn't work. You know, the grade isn't good. You probably let it slide. You maybe make mention something, but then you notice a pattern. Then you have a sit down with the family and you address it. And this is kind of what's happening here. So clearly come now you who say that you who seems to be at least a group of people like you're saying. And so he's addressing this problem. And then he says, instead, you should say, if the Lord wills. So, so we've addressed the question of, we don't think it's the thing that's the problem. It's not the, you know, hey, I think tomorrow I'm going to go buy a car, you know, or I don't think it's, it's along the lines of, you know, I want to go on a missions trip next year, or it's not the thing that's the problem. It's the, it's the consideration behind it and the motivation, which is what James has been talking about all along. Like, who do you serve? Who do you serve? Where are your values coming from? Where do your beliefs come from? Do you, and why do you want to do the thing that you want to do? Are you good looking at that for me? Oh, okay, sorry. But I want to go back to this arrogance thing. Like, I want to pull into that a little bit. He says, he, so he, he gives them that. He says, those of you who say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. He says, your life is so short. You don't have the right perspective, which is what we've all said. And then he says, instead, so instead of doing that, do this. And he basically says the same thing. But he adds, if the Lord wills, we'll live, we'll do this or do that. So you could pretty much insert the exact same thing and just say, if the Lord wills. But then he finishes it with this. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. Do we have any other translations that say that differently? Boast in your arrogance here is what mine says. What does anyone else's say? Okay, boasting about your own pretentious plans. Anybody else have a different translation? Mine just says arrogance. It kind of makes it like it's not necessarily linking it directly to the plans in the in the phrase there. So like so from your translation the word arrogance isn't there. It's pretentious plans. That seems to be directly linked into the idea of so then what is pretentious about it? Do you have any thoughts about that? Like what's pretentious about the plans? In that case, <laughs> put you on the spot, yeah. or anybody. Anybody like so? My translation says arrogance. Sarah says pretentious plan. So the word, the ver- or the adjective there is pretentious or arrogant. Well, thinking you know better, like that's what being pretentious is. I mean, if my 
Annie, correct me if I'm wrong, but being pretentious is, Pretense. is believing you know better, <laughs> believing that you are better. So like your pretentious plans, again, always comes back down to the, the lack of consideration that God knows better and what his plans are. Yeah, in the message it says, um, you're full of your grandiose selves. Full of your grandiose selves. But then he says, all such boasting is evil. It's interesting that the word is boasting. I think of boasting as like bragging, mm-hmm. you know? So like, do you think that he's, that he's saying that they're going around like, like publicly talking about their plans? I like, think it almost as if like, if you're doing anything without considering God, without factoring God into it, that you're being arrogant, you're being pretentious, and that, that's considered... I don't say boasting as in like they're necessarily publicly doing it, but maybe they are. Maybe they're being like, man, you know what? I'm going to go rock this temple next year or something like that, you know? But like they're not, they're not factoring God into any of the plans. And therefore God is saying you can't do that because it's just, it's a fleeting thing, you know? I almost wonder yeah. if they get to a place maybe whether by like riches or just like God's favor, like being blessed in a certain way that they feel like they're almost safe. In making plans because either God's going to work, make it work, mm. you know, like I'm mm. um, almost that idea of like, I'm going to do first and ask for forgiveness later. You right. Know, yeah. Like, that's a great point. Like it's, it, you know, it's easier for me to do that than to ask permission. Like, like I'm at a place now where God has blessed me with riches and God has blessed, maybe blessed me with power, blessed me with position, whatever. And I, A, don't want to lose those things. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing maybe, or, mm. you know, maybe, maybe this, totally skewed idea of being like more favored by God that you're almost protected. I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of brainstorming. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting that they say riches in there, you know, like it's talking about they're going to go and do this and do that to be, to make a profit, to become rich. So, you know, maybe it's that they're, they're not taking into account what God's plan is kind of like what you're saying. And instead it's just, I'm going to go do all of this to make my money. And they've kind of lost sight of what God's plan is for them. And they're putting so much hope in what could be or what they're hoping will be. And, and instead it's like, but this isn't the plan I have for you. So maybe you need to take my will in account instead of making all these future plans that have nothing to do with me. So this was 2000. Yeah. Joe, go, go, go ahead. Joe, go ahead. <laughs> So I'm comparing this to, to another um, possibility. Is it arrogant boasting? Do we have an, oh, low system. Low system resources. You guys hear okay? Okay. It's just got a thing that says low system resources, so I just want to make sure you guys are all right. Okay, thanks. Okay, good. Yeah, so is it arrogant boasting when you say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and it's something that God has promised? So the example I'm thinking in my mind is is the prophet Samuel said to uh, David, you're going to be king, but it wasn't for a long time until he actually was king. Mm-hmm. So if David is going around saying to everyone, to his brothers, hey, I'm going to be king, is that just confidence in what God has promised me, or does that also fall into the category of arrogant boasting? Because that comes down to the heart. <laughs> Well, right, which is what we have been talking about. Joseph, in a similar thing, Joseph, uh, one of the 12 sons of Israel, uh, had a dream, right? Now, this is an interesting thing. I always ask this question. So if you guys don't know the story, Joseph wakes up in the middle of the night, has a dream, or he just dreams about that, uh, that says that there were like stalks that were kind of bowing down to other like wheat stalks or whatever. And he gets up and he tells his brothers, 
He goes, hey, guess what, guys? I had this dream last night. I hate him already before this. Yeah, he's like, I, yeah, they already hate him. He says, hey, guess what, guys? Uh, like, I had a dream last night, and you guys are all going to serve me one day. Like, I always thought that was the most ridiculous thing for him to say. Like, have some, like, social understanding of, of like, yeah, of your situation. And I always thought that was, a, that's a boast. Like, to me, it's like he's boasting. And maybe that comes out of being the little runt kid who's always picked on, so he wants to kind of, like, you know, puff up. I don't know. We don't really know. And it all worked out okay in the end for Joseph because he put the Lord first, which I think is the whole point of the story. But, but to your point, that's a great question. Like, if you know that things are good or that God has promised something for you, but it has maybe not happened yet, or perhaps it even has, like, what is the point of, of talking about it and boasting about it? Does it point the picture as though I have somehow deserved it or I have done something to, to earn it? And instead, like, and does that take away, detract away from honoring God for that God is at the center of all of it? Which I think is what this whole point is. It's like James, all of it is, no matter what you do, the way you talk, the way that you make your plans, apparently, the way that you uh, treat people who are rich or who are poor who come into your gathering. These are all topics that we've talked about. The way that you, um, the where, where you get your, your peace from, where your values are, all of that is what James has talked about, seems to be centered around like the source of all of like the, the, the fuel that, that uh, the source that fuels everything else. So like it's less about about the thing and more about what it is that's driving behind all of it. And so I would, I, my answer to your question, Joe, would be if God promised something, if Sam, if, if David were to go around boasting about all of those types of things, I would say that that probably, probably borderlines at a minimum borderlines on, on displeasing God because he is, he is drawing attention to himself if his heart was in a place of bragging to make himself feel better or to get back at those who picked on him. His brothers, for example. Now, I'm pulling up a hypothetical. Of course. Of course, because there's no verse in Scripture. Where David actually did. But we know, but we know that. Like, like if God speaks to my heart and promises that next year I'm going to get a promotion at, at work. I mean, that's an example. If God like, like says, Jared, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a promotion next year and you're going to, you know, you won't have to struggle with this area of your life financially, whatever, whatever that might be. Like, that's going to obviously get me excited. I mean, who wouldn't be excited about that? But if I start talking to other people and treating other people differently because of that information in a negative way, then I think that I'm taking that information in the wrong perspective, which maybe is a tangent to what we're talking about. But like we were asking the question, what does it mean to boast? You know, um, I don't know. Yeah, Ted. Yeah. What does it mean to say? So, I mean, he, he's literally directly relating, right? The first part is saying, you didn't think of God at all. And you're just saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem or I'm going to go to New York City. I'm going to start a business and I'm going to make some money. Like, that's what he's saying. And then he says, but instead say, if it's the Lord's will or if the Lord wills, I'm going to go to New York and make some money. Like, so he's basically saying the same thing. One is if the Lord's will. Now, what does that mean? The Lord's will. Yeah, Annie. Obviously, it's like positioning your perspective and saying like, you know, if God's will is for this and like humbling yourself in that. But I think there's also a sense of humility in that like acknowledgement that we are human beings. So we might not know God's will, even if we think we do. Like, mm. 
It I could might, be wrong, you mean? Yeah, like I might think, oh, I think God has this in my future, but acknowledging, like by saying, but if the Lord wills, not saying since he wills, or like as the Lord wills, like this is going to be my future, but acknowledging that like even, even if I think that that's what God is telling me, like I'm still a human being, like I might be wrong. I might right. be interpreting that incorrectly. Yeah, that's a good point. And just acknowledging like a little bit more of that kind of like how much greater God is. I like the word if there because the word if brings that in. If it was like, if if that word wasn't there, instead say the Lord has willed, so I will. Like that's a very different sentence, Mm -hmm. you know, because we know that the Lord's will is, is his own, obviously, and can be a challenge. Now there are, there's lots of scriptures about knowing the Lord's will. I mean, Rev, uh, uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about like knowing the Lord's will by presenting yourself as a living sacrifice so that you're not transformed by the world. Instead, you're transformed in your mind, renewed in your mind. And again, back to James, everything is about as we, as we are as close as we are with Christ and in our relationship with the Lord, the more his mind, the more his thoughts, the more his values, his, all of that will seep into us, which then, of course, helps us to have a less margin of error. And yet we also know that we are not perfect. Like that's the reality. None of us are perfect. You know, we have not reached that maturity and that perfection. So there is the potential that no matter how much we think that's what God is saying, that perhaps we've inserted ourselves somewhere in that process. So the word if really gives that space, which then I think makes us, is the the practical element of that is how do we know God's will and how how can we live our lives in such a way as though we are taking into consideration, but not just, I think now that begs the question, it's not just saying, God, is it okay for me to go to New York and open a business? It's really doing the heavy lifting of, of praying about that and sifting through our motivations and our heart and, and seeking counsel from other people who hear from the Lord and, and trusting them. And, you know, is there sin in our life that might be clouding you know, the, you know, all that. that's when you say the question, if the Lord wills, it now becomes much, it's not just as simple to be like, let me just check the box. Okay, good. It's a checklist on my trip. Like it's a much more involved process. So I think that's, that's interesting. Tad, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? You asked the question. Well, I think let's stick with that. How do we know the Lord's will? I mean, obviously there's the general will of God, which is based on his word. You know, so we know there are certain things that we know are God's will because God is, is uh, you know, we have like the fruit of the Spirit um, in, in those areas. We have commands that we are to follow. But in this case, it seems to be talking about the decisions that we're making about where to go, what to do, how to, how to order our lives, future-oriented. Some of it's present as well, obviously. Um, so it's more about like the, the way we live or the things that we do and the motivations behind them. How do we, how do some of you in the room determine the Lord's will in in those cases. I think that might be valuable. Practically speaking, is how do we hear from God? How do we know? What are some ways that you test um, the Lord's will in in your life? I think for me, I tend to, I I tend to be like a thinker about things. Um, Things need to make sense to me. And so if God puts something in my my head uh, or my heart, I'll basically like, well, dissect it to be like, okay, like rationally speaking, like, okay, if I go here and this situation happens, you know, or if I go here and this thing happens and if it all makes sense in my head, you know, the, the analytical mind that I have, then I feel like then to me, it makes sense that it's, it's God 
think this is what you should be doing. Okay, so like very like analytical, mm -hmm. rational, systematic way of approaching it. Yeah. How do you, just curiously, I think, and I again, just, I think everybody hears from the Lord differently, you know, God uses the brains that we have been given, and all of us are different, so, you know, I think some of us in the room would say very much like that's similar, and others would say God speaks to me in actual words and sentences, which is different for different people. So have you experienced times where maybe in your own life where you felt like God was putting something in your heart that didn't really make sense? Have you ever experienced that? Maybe you didn't feel like it went well, I don't know, but like what, how, how, do, you, how do you work through things that don't seem to fit in the analytical? Um, <laughs> I think, I, I can't personally recall a time where it doesn't necessarily make sense. Okay. Um, I'm sure it has, it has happened. I just, you know, an example, I, but I would imagine though for me that it would just be like, if, I think I would end up saying like, if it doesn't make sense to me and I land on the fact that I can't seem to wrap my head around this thing, then it's, it's, it's probably something that it's more my will hmm. versus God's will, or it's not the right time for me to pursue it, even if it is God's will. Okay, so, so if, if I'm, help me if I'm understanding. Are you saying that, like, it's not necessarily that, that, that the pieces, A plus B equals C, that the world would look at it and go, that makes sense. It's that you just understand what's happening. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So, like, like, God sort of illuminates your mind to understand kind of the path that it's going to take. Mm -hmm. And even though, like, that's a weird path, God, you're like, but I get what you're doing. I see that. Right, and I think okay. at the end of it, for me, if I have a sense of peace about it, yeah. you know, after thinking through it, yeah. Okay. I think for both. I, did I see hands? I want to make sure I... Well, Ilona's behind you. Yeah. Go for it. Hi, Ilona. So Welcome. Just, hi. And it's just something that God speaks to me this week, uh, also after the ladies' meeting. That, uh, And I think this is how uh, seeking for His will also starts. Uh, oh, it starts with the scripture, basically, but uh, also to ask Him about everything. And, and he pointed to me, like, don't be anxious about anything, but with everything, submit petitions to God. And it, he pointed to me the word everything. Mm. And, I, and I realized, well, actually, very often we come to God. Sometimes we think that problems maybe are too big and we don't come. But usually we come with big issues. But we not very often come with the smallest ones mm -hmm. because we think we can handle it on our own. Sure. But we don't come and ask him about really everything to lead us and guide us in everything yeah and i think when we ask then we get answers some way and if not directly then at least god god will close certain doors or opportunities like basically uh, like you, you won't be able to to get that uh, route or something and at, at least i trust it and, and sometimes i think god doesn't speak uh because he already said everything either through his word or he, he kind of trusts us that we know that and we should just remember that and live faith on that. So so I think like he would either speak through through people, through reading, through um, through like, you know, the, the like kind of feeling or he would speak directly, you hear his voice through visions, through words, but sometimes through circumstances like mm -hmm. we're aligning. Sure. Uh, but uh, sometimes he just doesn't say because he already said everything mm -hmm. and you just know it. And you just, you know, he just trusts you like, like your children, you teach them and you tell them like, what did don't I say? touch the stove when it's hot. But right. at a certain point, you know that they know that. So you don't repeat that. Or sometimes your kids ask you the same question and you said, right. I already told you the answer. Right. You know, all the time. <laughs> Any parents, you know, all the time. 
Well, Alona, can I ask you, you know, is there a, is there a, um, a, 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 like a most common way that you feel that the Lord kind of speaks to you? Is it, is it through illuminating in his word? Is it through like, wor- like a, a vision or a dream? Like it's, how do you? I don't have, I don't have, uh, uh, I have very rarely visions and okay. uh, I never had a dream, uh, prophetic dream. Uh, I, uh, there are moments when I hear God's voice uh, and sometimes I hear it more like a little bit like internally but very few moments i had when i speak outside and it was very loud and very yeah very but usually like i think he doesn't do that because i was so afraid so like what is it that god does speak to you like most often when you're trying to like god what are you doing is it usually a friend maybe gives you a word or is it more through you're just praying you kind of a peace like is there is there a way or maybe it's a variety of things for you you. it it is a variety And 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 i think um and I think sometimes uh, the God also uses basically what he has and uses us the way he needs. Like, for example, mm. um, like if I'm around a bunch of people who, let's say, have very strong prophetic gifting, mm. uh, I'm just maybe God doesn't need me to say anything. Sure. Right. But sometimes if I'm the only person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only person he can use basically uh, like let's say around people who don't sure trust uh, god or something then he would use me right and i mean it's ho- his choice to to choose and his ch- choice sure. to choose the channel okay uh, uh so so i experience it in a different way but uh, it just i believe that that we should be basically tuned and people learn mm-hmm. to be tuned uh to what god is saying and and he sometimes speaks through you know everything like through through some devotional through mm-hmm. through bible through through um, uh, but usually i think that if it's if it's something important he usually speaks through more than one channel he would repeat mm, that's a good point it's not and and my experience it, it, this is how i also cast um is it god or not yeah that uh, maybe there's a confirmation I somewhere I have a second co- confirmation okay so we see that in scripture too Right. We see that there are different, um, you know, Tad, you had mentioned Gideon to me a couple weeks ago. Like Gideon is kind of an outlier when it comes to how he, um, you know, received confirmation. You know, in the rest of Scripture, it's usually a prophet speaks and it's that's considered, you know, the word. But in Gideon's case, he was like, but I could really use some confirmation. And so he actually put like a fleece out and then kind of put a set of like almost like a scientific experiment in a way, like right where he kind of said, like, if this happens, then this is the answer from the Lord, that kind of a thing. That's kind of speaking directly to the idea of a confirmation looking for a sign. Sometimes it is hearing other people. So there are a variety of ways. Um, who else? Somebody else wanted to speak. I want to make sure we. Yeah, Kylie, did you have other thoughts about? Um, yeah, for me, because I tend to be a, uh, a more just like, I don't like the waiting period of things. I tend to just like rush into the process. <laughs> okay. Um, I feel like I, I've learned, I've learned to be self-aware enough to know that if I feel rushed into something without a peace from God, mm. that, that kind of, I, I have to be extra careful to take that back to the Lord and say, okay, look, like I'm not going to make a decision without that peace. And without you lining something up for me, because if you don't do those two things simultaneously, like without the peace and the and like the doors to be open, then I'm gonna take that as a sign that it is not a deal. That's like, a good point. Because for me, I I uh, I feel like I spent too much time feeling rushed and pressured into making a decision when whether it was a job, right? Like oh, there's a job opportunity and it seems great, but it's just not sitting well with my heart. There's a lot that goes into that, you know. I. 
I mean, like on paper, it looks great. I should do this, but you know that it means a lot of changes for me and stuff like that. And and I feel rushed. I feel pressured. I feel like I have to make this decision. And 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 so I've just learned that if you feel pressured, at least for myself, if you feel pressured, if I feel rushed, but I do not have that peace about it, then I have to sit back and trust that. If this opportunity disappears, if it goes away, if that door shuts, then that is the answer for me. Um, now, of course, I mean, obviously, I, I recognize that doesn't apply to everything because sometimes God is really asking you to take leaps of faith. But for the most part, for me, it's really helpful to just take a step back and not make my not make decisions impulsively based on the feeling of rush and pressure, and really just to allow the Spirit to take His time and to. It's, it's kind of like those, I have to have that double. Like, I have to have the peace and the doors opening. Because other, if it's hmm. one or the other, I don't know. I think it brings an excellent point that you just made here, is that um, I think God operates, I've seen this in my own life, and it seems really confirmed even in the way that we're all talking to each other here, is that God operates in a lot of different ways, but tends to, um, tends to, to, um, to speak or work within the boundaries of which he created us as individuals with. So for individuals like maybe who are much more experiential, who tend to be more um, faith people, that's like, you know what, like, oh, that's an opportunity. It's exciting. It looks great. And you kind of start running full stream ahead that, that, that God uses, um, like uses sort of the contrast of that as a protection to say like, I'm going to put unease. I'm going to put, um, because you're going like 90 miles an hour on a very short track. And if you get to the end before I want you to, you could get into a disaster, into an accident. So I'm going to put a lot of like warning signs up there for you to make you feel the way. Whereas on the flip side, a person who is very contemplative, someone who's very analytical, who's not going to move anywhere. I have a friend of mine, he and I have many conversations where he thinks through every single situation um, and his mind, it actually paralyzes him to where he thinks about things so often um, that he never really makes decisions and often will miss opportunities that perhaps the Lord even brings to him um, because he kind of is paralysis by analysis. So on the flip side of that, God will, will, will challenge him to a place of faith. He will bring people who speak confirmation into his life, um, things that are outside of rational analyzation and instead calling into a little bit more of a supernatural faith. Like for some of us who are willing to like see God in every cloud and in every like street sign and an open parking spot means that like God confirms something like there are people like that who it's like everything is a sign from God. They need God that God will bring rational things into their picture to pull them back. Equally so, I have seen that God will take those individuals who are so thoughtful minded um, that he will challenge them in supernatural ways to pull them into places of faith. Yeah, Joe. I, I am that kind of, I am very vulnerable to analyzing my way outside of the will of God. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I am very vulnerable to God saying, hey, Joe, I want you to do this. And then I'm all on board. And then like later on, I'm thinking, wait, was that, how do I know that was really God? Right. And, and, and then, then I, you can just, and I start building justifications as to, right. you know, why it's not God. One of, oh, a while ago, I had stumbled across um, uh, uh, a person hundreds of years ago who had actually developed um, rules for spiritual discernment. Um, this is actually in a Catholic setting. I was, I was visiting a, uh, a monastery in California oh. because I hear from God in California. <laughs> and um, 
Says the analytical guy. <laughs> says, 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 <laughs> yes, exactly. And I just realized, you know what? Even though COVID and the state is on fire, I need, I need <laughs> and um, yeah. And so uh, I, I discovered uh, this guy Saint Ignatius, who came up with rules for spiritual discernment. Okay. And it was interesting for me as somebody, you know, in the in the Protestant tradition, sometimes you know, it's very easy to just ignore all things Catholic, but there are pearls right. of wisdom in there. Yep. And one of the things that, that he talked about that I found super helpful is he talked about seasons of consolation and seasons of desolation. Okay. The seasons of consolation where you're so connected with God, you know, he speaks, you hear, there's no doubt or whatever. Right. And there's seasons of desolation. It's like, God, where are you? The last time I saw you was 15 years ago, and I, I you know, that's an exaggeration. One of the things he said is that when, when you're in the spirit, uh, season of consolation and God speaks to you and you know for certain this is God, don't change your mind when you're in the season of desolation. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the, one of the things that, that St. Ignatius gave words to something I had already learned, that, that it's like, hey, if I'm in peace and I make a decision, and then sometime later yeah. I start having doubts and and, and analyzing my way out of it. No, trust the peace that I was in. That's good. When I made the decision. Because the only thing that changes the circumstances, not the voice of God. Mm. Sometimes not even the circumstances. Sometimes my, yeah. uh, all that changed was the analytical Your perspective on it. Mind is going down. So how do we train ourselves? We're kind of uh, getting to the end of our discussion today. How do we train ourselves to hear the, hear the voice of God? Tad, I want to thank you for bringing up this piece because I think it's the linchpin of this, of this verse. Like James is saying... It's again to reiterate, it's not the thing, you know, assuming the thing isn't like inherently evil, like it's not the thing that's the problem vacation, a job, a decision, those are not the problem. It's the consideration of the Lord involved in it or not. But then he kind of attaches if it's the Lord's will. And that's an excellent space for us, which is, I think, actually a summary of James as a whole. Like the Lord's will is that we, like, our life should be directed with Him as the driver. Right? So how do we practice the will, like learning the will of God? So I have three things here. And one would be simple, or at least would sound simple and very practical. The other would be a little bit less simple. Um, so one thing I heard as, a, as advice is that whenever you hear or you feel, feel like God speaks something for you, to you, bring it in front of him and ask him to elaborate more on that. Okay. Bring confirmation. Okay. So, for example, just don't be satisfied with one thing that you hear, but keep asking him to reveal you, God, what do you mean for this? Yep. And, and just, just meditate on it. And, and, and that, that is bringing more. But I think that uh, all the hearing is connected. And this is a kind of experience, but I, I believe it makes sense. It's connected with... Uh, the the process of also like you're saying with uh, kind of uh, chopping off our flesh. Okay. So that they, that sounds our, gruesome. Our spirit, like, <laughs> so basically, like you know, God's spirit is in us. So God is with us all the time, constantly, and mm. He wants to communicate with us constantly. The thing is that uh, not always our flesh, our emotions, mm-hmm. and our uh, mind. Not always they are ready to kind of receive it, or they so focus on what is kind of around. Right. And um, and I think God is um, uh, like bringing us uh, to the point where we are more able to align with the spirit. But there, 
some things that are happening and there is a price for that. And one price is, one thing that is happening is basically taking away your own control. And we as people like to control our things. We have our schedules. Right. We, we, have, we have our plans. You know, I will study, I will do this and this. It will bring me this and this right. and there. And, and, and God is basically like pulling away control from you. And this is not very pleasant process. <laughs> and then another thing he does, I think, that is happening along a process to bring more of him is breaking. Okay. But there is kind of, you kind of need to somehow be, be willing to be broken and willing to, to just God being doing that so that his, his light can shine through you more and his spirit. Uh, it's like I, I said a metaphor, like when you think about a seed, when it's buried in the ground, when the, the coat has to break, a yeah. shell has to break so that the shoot uh, right. uh, the, the, the sprouts. So it would be kind of similar with our inner man and outer man, but just the, the process of breaking the shell, like, you know, sometimes we think, okay, the breaking that happened to us is already a lot, but it, they're just cracks. But God wants really to a whole coat be chopped off and taken away. Mm. So I think that comes with his will. And we do have this, um, like, like experience with God too that we sometimes pray and ask for his will and we are so sure that we are doing what he says <laughs> once we heard from God well you wish it would be like that that you listen and you follow it's your kind of wish but it's not exactly like that yeah so so and or you're not there or you're not ready for it like uh, there has to be a lot of breaking or chopping right. happening so that you actually get there and you're able to get it, listen or follow. So, so, um, so I think, and, and, and I kind of, it came to me right now, I didn't think about it. So to hear well, we have to kind of be ready to do the well as, as, as well. Yep. Because asking for well is cool. Yes, <laughs> I hear you. I, I, but then when you hear it, the, then you have kind of responsibility to follow. And right. you're not always ready for that. And another thing, it will be short, but uh, I sometimes know that it, I mean it's frustrating for us to wait. Sometimes when we don't hear, or when we have to wait for God to show up. But I think waiting is mm. such a crucial, important thing for us as Christians, because our whole Christian life is about waiting for Christ coming back. Mm -hmm. When we think about uh, Acts and about early church, they were waiting in unity mm -hmm. and in prayer. There were certain circumstances in waiting. It wasn't passive waiting. They were waiting, and then the Holy Spirit came and revealed himself, but they were waiting, and we are waiting for Christ coming back. So I think every life opportunity God is using for us to wait, because we just need that. We just need it as a church. And I think it, it's a, those are great points, and I think it's challenging to wait because we live in a society that we are obviously all raised in, that, that, want, that, that it's expecting of things to come now. So I can only speak for myself, although I just spoke for our society, um, is, that, <laughs> is that when I have a decision to make or I, or even if it's not a decision, but it's more along the lines of God, like what are you doing here or what are you trying to show or whatever, um, I'll go to him in prayer. But will I go to him in prayer six times? Will I, will I sit for a half an hour and meditate alone on the one thing and do that multiple days? Like, you know... That, I think, is to your point. You know, it's like, you know, 
if I don't get the answer that I want, or if I don't, or, or like you even said also, I get like an, uh, like 1% of what God is trying to tell me, but I got something. So that's good enough for me. So now I'm going to go back to my life. And then I kind of plan the rest of it on my own. Whereas God is really the right move to your point, Alona, is to say, like, let's maybe say, I'm, I'm, I don't even want to take it specific, but like, I'm asking God for what he's doing and he reveals a piece of it. Don't be satisfied with the small, tiny little piece. Instead, like you said, wrestle further. Okay, God, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean for my family? How do I change the way I act? Or, you know, and he'll begin to reveal greater and greater, greater. So I think the question that I'm asking, based on what I'm hearing from Alona, which was really wonderful points, is are we willing to discern the will of God over the long period of time, which is really what James is talking about. He's talking about like, bring God with you everywhere you go so that you can continue the conversation even at work, when you're in the car. Like, yes, for some of us, we need to start having time with God alone. Like some of us don't have any of that. And I'm not pointing anyone out. Just from what I know of our lifestyles, I'm making an assumption that some of us, don't have any time with God outside of Sunday morning or maybe EC ladies. So we're not listening to worship. We're not spending time in prayer, you know, reading God's word. We're not doing this. So that's a great place to start. But the goal is not just to read your Bible, you know, 10 minutes a day, half an hour, whatever, or to pray. The goal is to live such a lifestyle in which that God is like the radar or that radio that we're trying to tune into, like to get his frequency so that we hear it clearly. Like, that that's just on all the time. And that is practice for sure. Like that's, that's and like hearing God and you get better at it when you, when you hear God say something and then you act upon it because then it teaches you that muscle memory of that God said it, this thing happened or it worked the way that it was supposed to. His word lined up with what, what the spirit said. So the next time it happens, you're easily more able to kind of like lock that in. If you don't spend time with God, you're never asking God what he thinks about anything. You know, like if you're not listening, you're not practicing, of course you don't know what God's will is. Like you don't know what to do because you don't know his voice. And so I think that's kind of like what maybe, I mean, it's funny, this whole conversation starts off with like, I'm going to go to New York and start a business. And instead he says, well, if it's the Lord's will, then it will, which is, feels passive. Like the passive is like, well, what will happen will happen, which is what you said, Kyle. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's going to happen, whatever. Like, so I'll just say, check off the box. And I think the deeper place that he's really saying is if it's the Lord's will and what we know of the rest of James is that the way to know if it's the Lord's will is to align yourself with him and to spend time where he is the source of every aspect of your existence. And then you will have a knowledge of what, what his will is. And then you'll say, God, if you want me to go, I will go. If you don't, I'll stay here or an alternative. And that could be as big as, as a, starting a new business in another city. It could be something as small as, you know, I feel like today the Lord wants me to cancel this thing and go have dinner with a person or whatever. You know, it could be any number of things. Any final thoughts? Anybody online have any thoughts that they wanted to share about this before we kind of wrap this section? Anybody at all? Yeah, Joe. Uh, uh, did you have something with I did, but you can go ahead. Oh, okay, so so um, two things. First of all, the uh, cultural comment, because you were talking about American culture and right. problems waiting. Well, I, all of America is being taught to wait because we need to wait for a vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> and look how we're responding. Thus, it's a needed lesson. Indeed. Um, so, and then the second thing, the final verse 
is really perplexing to me. It's, it's the therefore to one who knows the right mm. thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. And for me, this this feels a little bit out of place when we were talking about, you know, don't have the arrogance of I'm going to go and start a business. It, it's like, wait a minute, James, where did this come from? Right, it, it feels out of place. It, it doesn't feel like it fits into context. But what it does feel like is it, it takes me way back to when James was talking about uh, the whole, if you say, you know, be filled, be warm, but don't give, you know, food or clothing, you know, what use is that? So I'm, I'm gathering that this verse 17 is maybe a summary statement for a whole large section, yep. not just this, you know, versus, what are we at, 13 through the end, but it's, it's mm-hmm. probably wrapping up a whole bunch of stuff. Well, and, and I think that's an excellent point. Think about what we just said with the, with the Lord's will, right? Mm-hmm. Like what Alona just said. If you're going to ask what God thinks about a topic and he gives you an answer, but you don't do it, mm-hmm. that's also very yeah. related. So like if you're going to, it's not, I think James is saying it's not just enough to take God into consideration. It's making him Lord of your life so that he is the decision maker and you follow what he says. So then to that other level, it's like if you are the person who here has heard God say something to you and you do it anyway, shame on you. Like that's kind of, that's another example of the same kind of thing, which again, I think like you said, it wraps up all of James. It's very unified. It's all about like, where, where are our eyes? What are we looking at and where are we getting the signals from? So I actually, like, I can confess, I was having, like, once when we arrived to U.S., the conversation with God, because um, uh, especially, uh, you know, that time, he, he really gave us a lot of hints about many things. So I was like, you know, I can basically, like, you know, like a huge list of, like, things where I am imperfect, where many people... Have like I I know you know many friends like they're having such a great spiritual discipline or they're you know serving much better they're right. reading word much better like I mean I fail here and I fail there and I just can't carry on you know with that and 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 all the all the things so I was asking God God why why you're so good why are you telling this to us like why I mean like why I kind of don't deserve it you know. I mean, there, 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 there are so many things I've missed. Mm-hmm. And I heard one thing that time. It was uh, just because you obey. So when I, when I say it in those, I'm not saying I obey everything, but in those no, yeah. things, like these things, these big ones, he said, because you obey. And I kind of was surprised because I feel like I don't. But, but, um, <laughs> but um, like I, again, like I can focus again on so many points. I, I kind of missed it. But, but I just think it's such a, such a big theme and important mm-hmm. thing to kind of, and it doesn't mean that God, God says, okay, you don't follow. I won't speak to you anymore. I right. won't tell you. No, he would just think, okay, it means I need to do more, more work and more breaking and try again. Mm-hmm. And then try again. He never gives up. But um, That's uh, really good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just think being, you know, through it all, I think a lot of it goes back to the heart attitude of that, the you who, uh, you know, that heart attitude of humility. That even though, I mean, I think it was great that we talked about plans. I don't even know those plans were like overly important. You know, it was the boasting. It was the attitude of, right. you know, these are the 12 tribes scattered. They're humble. They're, you know, just don't have a whole lot going on. But now there's people in their midst saying, oh, I'm better than you. I've got these great plans. I'm going to go ahead and do. You know, and I think we get in that attitude too. You know, like we could show, it, it might not even be real, but I could show up today and be like, 
oh yeah, I brought my Honda because my Ferrari, I wasn't sure <laughs> what was a good place to park. You know, right. I'm not even be real, but I'm pushing you down and elevating myself. And yeah. So I think that's a lot of the context here that, you know, just got struck me of like that, that attitude of humility. And even, even talking about our future plans, coming to the Lord, that's all humility too. Like, Lord, what's your plans for me? That's yeah. good. The heart, right? The heart, what's behind it. And to wrap up what you were saying, Alona, you know, like David, you know, was known his legacy as a man after God's heart, yet he was a murderer and an adulterer. Like, we know that's true about him, but he is defined as a man after God's heart. Why? Because even after the mistakes, his heart was broken for his sin, and God restored that. That's the answer for all of us. always loyal to God. Right. And so to your point, why God? Because you obey. Right? That's the idea. Like, that's what James is saying is like, yeah, all of this stuff, we need to hear it because every one of them are like, they're the high level standards that we will fail, mess up and not get to, but we need to shoot for them. And when we do, where is our heart? God will bless us. He will take care of us if we obey, you know, and make him our master as opposed to try to be our own master, all those kinds of things. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.